is not a soul at this time as precious unto God as a soul will be at the time of his coming. Remember the worth of souls is great in the sight of God. At times like that, just look up and leave. It's up to us to go down the road that leads us back home. It's up to us to see we already are what we want to be. Don't give in to what others say. I miss Elder Packer. I learned to love him after he spoke at a BYU-Idaho devotional while I was attending school there. He made this joke about writing a letter to a boyfriend if he wasn't treating you right and dumping him. (laughs) I loved it. (laughs) Okay, it's time for Worth of Souls. I'm Andrea. And I'm Brent. Welcome back. We are on thought habit number five today, using enticements for spiritual growth. But before we get into that, we want to go over what we talked about last lesson, that everything in this life is a stewardship and how we went into detail about what that really means, that we own nothing, not our home, not our cars, not our time, kids, spouse, bills, health issues, nothing. All of it belongs to Heavenly Father. Were you able to follow through on that challenge we gave you to make that list of your stewardship assignments and put that list on the altar before the Lord? And did you ask him how to carry out each one of those stewardship assignments? Hopefully, we pray that 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 experience has been a paradigm shift for you in your life. And we'd love to hear about it. Tell us about the experiences that you're having on, on our Facebook or Instagram. We'd love to grow from your personal experiences. After recording that last lesson, we came across this beautiful quote by Martin Luther, the 15th century priest that translated the Bible from uh, into German from Latin, which actually made the word of God accessible to the masses for the first time. He said this, I have held many things in my hands and I have lost them all, but whatever I have placed in God's hands, that I still possess. Isn't that beautiful? What a great way to talk about stewardships. When we saw that quote, we knew we had to use it as the follow-up. A friend of ours, Brooke, she told us about how learning about stewardships was a light bulb moment for her. She told us this, Rheumatoid arthritis is an autoimmune disease that I have had to deal with for years. Needless to say, it hasn't been fun. There have been many times that I have felt very picked on, and I have asked myself things like, why do I have to deal with this problem? Or I'd say things in my mind like, my body is worthless. When I learned about stewardships and looking at my arthritis as the Lord's, not mine, it was a huge light bulb moment for me. Somehow being able to see things this way eased my conscience and helped me to reframe my mindset. The Lord chose to give me the stewardship of arthritis. It wasn't a punishment. It was a learning tool. I stopped comparing myself to how I was before and what I can't do now, and I started focusing on the things I could do and doing them for the Lord. I am relying on Jesus like I never dreamed of before. I am learning things within this stewardship that are worthy to share, and they have proven to be a blessing to many people that I've been able to counsel with and help with their own struggles. Another beautiful testimony that that was shared with us was from a friend of ours, Craig. He has had a great deal of financial success in his life, and he shared what he learned about the importance of stewardship. And when he had to reevaluate some things, he said this, 
After learning that I own nothing and everything in this world belongs to the Lord, I had to do some major adjustments in caring for the financial stewardship that God has placed in my hands. In the past, my wife and I would give to different charities just whenever we felt like it. And of course, we paid a full tithe, also without thinking much of it. Now I realize I have a much greater responsibility to check in with the Lord every single time and find out what He wants me to do with His money. Every penny of His money I spend, I am accountable for. I now understand that before I was acting much like the rich man in the Bible that hadn't given his full heart to the Lord. It feels wonderful knowing I am holding nothing back from how he would have me use this stewardship. These personal examples build my testimony so much. We love hearing about others' experiences. Yeah, yeah they really they buoy us up so much. Today, we are going to be talking about using enticements for spiritual growth. First, we need to talk about the word enticements. It might be not familiar. Let's go to the scriptures to find out exactly what this word means, the definition of it for our discussion. We're going to go to 2 Nephi chapter 2. We want to paint the picture for you first of what's going on with this particular scripture story. Lehi is on his deathbed. And he's giving blessings to his family. And in this chapter, he's speaking to his son, Jacob. So just imagine Lehi. After everything he's been through and all the wisdom he's gained, what does he choose to tell his son? He passes on some of the most glorious doctrine in his words to Jacob in this chapter. Among those words was this verse, 2 verse 16. Wherefore, the Lord God gave unto man that he should act for himself. Wherefore, man could not act for himself, save it should be that he was enticed by one or the other. In this scripture, Lehi teaches the world a very important principle, that this world, this earth, has been set up with enticements. So what are some of our enticements? Let's break it down a little. Food. One of my first ones I think of is chocolate when I'm not trying to have sugar. That's an enticement for me. Or the buffet line for me. <laughs> yeah. Neighbors, maybe hard neighbors to get along with. A messy house. That's a big one. Or drivers, Brent. This is a big one. Drivers is a big one for me. When, when somebody's driving erratically or crazy that's endangering me and my family, I get really hooked by that. Another one might be health problems. If you have chronic illness or chronic pain that you're dealing with that can cause major triggers in your life. Or coworkers can be a huge enticement, especially if they're the kind of coworkers that are always negative or constantly cursing at, in the workplace. Dumb people. This, this, this is a big one for me. People that do stupid things and are oblivious to the effects that their actions have on the people around them drive me crazy. Yeah, Brent, that really hooks me big time. That um, helps Brent to spiritually focus very often. Sometimes when <laughs> I use them properly. <laughs> what about politicians or the political year? No matter what your opinion is, making sure that you're the one who's heard or bad habits. Bad habits is an easy enticement. Social media, that's a that's a good one when we get hooked because of having to write to somebody and what they said, but then you delete it. Uh, such delete a huge, it. It's such a huge trigger for our generation oh. that, because we're so addicted to participating in the conversations on social media. That's right. That, that we just get hooked by it. Another one that 
gets me a lot is road construction and and how that how that causes delays in in a commute. This is a good one for Andrea. Laundry. Laundry. <laughs> yes, laundry is my particular trigger. <laughs> um, calling customer service when they give you a really hard time or you can't understand each other. Yeah, they don't speak English. Yeah. (laughs) That one triggers me every time. You don't get the help. Maybe they transfer you five times before figuring it out. The bathroom scale, that's a good one. What about interruptions? Maybe when you're working on a podcast and your kids are interrupting you all the time. Our kids never interrupt us while we're working on this project, (laughs) ever. That has been a good enticement for us through this. A bad hair day. That, I mean, you know, ne- that never happens. Or, or for men, losing hair. That, that's an <laughs> enticement for us. And the organist, Brent, the organist. This one drives me crazy. When the organist plays the hymn too slowly, I'm super triggered by that. <laughs> and what about happenstance? That These are the things in, in our lives that are – that are just going to happen, like yeah. stubbing your toe or slamming your finger in a, in a car door. Or, or getting a paper cut. Yeah, or bonking or, your head. Yeah. The, these happenstance things that, that, that cause a, can cause us to do an anger or frustration when they happen to our physical yep. body. Yeah, exactly. Or sickness, getting the flu, getting diagnosed with COVID, you know, whatever the new thing is going around and it just puts you out. Or being late, being late. This is a Big one for me in my family on Sunday mornings. I want to be on time. And when my kids are not paying attention to the time, that's a good deep breather moment for me. (laughs) Or technology problems. Brent, what about technology problems? My wife never has enticements with technology problems because as soon as she gets enticed, she just comes to me and hands me the computer and says, (laughs) fix this. It's true. Children, children fighting. Yes. Children are one of the greatest enticements because they're always around. They're always around. They're, and their behaviors are consistent with children. They're, yes. they're just always there. But the number one is, is a spouse. It's a spouse. The it's number true. one enticement that, that you will have is your spouse because they never leave. They never leave. They're, they're Brent, always going to be a part of your life. Brent will always sneeze so loud that it knocks me to the next room. That Yes, I guarantee that will always be the case. But Andrea will always leave the fridge door open, so <laughs> we're even. So uh, hopefully you pick up from this list that enticements, they're anything that just irritate you. There are personal triggers that hook us and they cause us to focus temporally and and go into frustration and anger and and all the things that can come with a temporal focus. So let's let's go back to a scriptural reference just prior to the verse we read before. Lehi gave us some more advice. He tells us that there must be opposition in all things. He reminded Jacob that we can't feel joy if we don't have dun, 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 sorrow. We all know that one. So what we understand from Lehi teaching us here is that enticements, they have been set up in this world specifically to strengthen our choice muscle within that opposition. They help to strengthen our ability to choose. Their purpose is to force us to make that choice of whether we will temporally focus or spiritually focus throughout our day. We have those two choices. We can focus on the enticements around us and let them consume our thoughts and feelings 
it really takes no effort to do this. This one is easy to let the enticements just take control. It's being temporally focused and it's how we put ourselves in a position to be tossed to and fro. But the other choice is that we can use these enticements to remind us to seek spiritual help and go to the spiritual dimension. When we use our triggers or enticements to go to the spiritual dimension for help, guess what? We overcome the world. Moving our inner world to the spiritual dimension is how we overcome the temporal world. We are here to overcome the world, to master our body, to become steadfast in Christ, and to submit to all things that the Lord seeth fit to inflict upon us. Enticements are those things that the Lord seeth fit to inflict upon us. And when we use them to focus spiritually, then the heavens rejoice. God set up this world with opposition on purpose. To use enticements for spiritual growth or not, it requires me to make a choice. To more effectively paint a picture of how to let the enticements help you focus spiritually, we want to tell you a story. And yes. you're going to identify pretty quickly which direction Andrea chose it, to focus. It's a story from one of the many weaknesses of Andrea Palmer. <laughs> so we were heading out of town and we had to go to Costco to fill up the gas. The back of our truck was packed full with all kinds of straps around everything to make sure it was secure for the trip. It was one of those loads that made it impossible to see out the back window. Just lots of stuff back there. We got to Costco and Brent ran inside to grab a couple things while I went to go get gas. Everyone who shops at Costco knows how crazy the gas lines can be. We had gotten on the road a little late. Like I mentioned, being late is an enticement for me. And we were in a bit of a hurry. I noticed after getting in the very long line that the other line next to me was moving really quickly and the last car was already up to the pump. So I decided to swing out of my lane and get into that lane instead. I was super excited about it and thought it was a great decision. I got by the pump before I realized that the gas tank was on the opposite side of the truck as the pump. I took a deep, irritated breath <laughs> and thought, it's okay, I'll work with it. We've done this before. I'll just put the gas line over the back of the truck. Brent does this, no problem. What I didn't account for was the space the load took up. I tried to get the gas line around the lo load and I, I could not get it around. I, I'm short, like five foot one inch. Just pretend in your mind like you're in the car behind me and watching as this lady is jumping, trying to get this gas line over the load to get on the other side of the truck to fill up this stupid tank. <laughs> When I couldn't do it by myself, obviously, I went to the cab and I asked my son to come out and help me. He came out and we were both figuring this out together. He climbed up on the side and handed the line over and we finally got the gas pump in the tank. But then when we tried to turn the gas on, it didn't work. We just couldn't get it far enough into, into the gas tank so that the pump was in the right direction to actually turn the gas on. We could not make it work. This whole time, guess what's going through my mind? What choice am I making? <laughs> Let's just say I was not spiritually focused at all. I was super frustrated, snapping at my son because he wasn't helping me the way I wanted him to. I was really frustrated. We'd gotten on the road late anyway, and now this. And then 
I started getting mad at Brent because, you know, spouses are the fail-safe. Because you can always al- get mad at them. It's always my fault. That's why. <laughs> and I was mad at him because he had gone inside when he should have stayed in the truck to get the gas and not me. You know, I was saying things in my mind like, he knows I hate coming to get gas at Costco. Why didn't we just go to Maverick around the corner? Rah, 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 rah. And I started blaming him for the fact that I couldn't get this gas tank filled. Then it got even worse when the car that was in front of me in the original line I was in had come, filled up his car, and driven away. (laughs) And there I was still fighting with this tank. Finally, I gave up. At that point, I gave up. And I went back in the truck and went around to get in line again. By this time, Brent had come out of the store and had found us as we were driving back around to get in line. And as soon as he opened the door... (laughs) I was like, get around here. I'm not driving anymore. It reminded me of if you've ever heard Bill Cosby himself, one of the first stand-up acts that he recorded. There's a a part of it where he's talking about his wife reaching the end of a rope and holding (laughs) a yardstick like a samurai sword saying, I have had enough of this. That's what it reminded me of. That's totally, totally how I was. He could see my frustration just pulsing in the veins of my neck. (laughs) So he gets in the truck and he looks at the gas gauge and he sees that we hadn't filled it up. And he said, well, why didn't you get gas? (laughs) I almost ripped him a new one. I had worked myself up so much over this. I stayed mad at Brent for like an hour as after we got onto the freeway. It took me a while to shake off the anger that I allowed in my temple. <laughs> so what happened? Let's evaluate this. On this particular day, guess what I did not do? Uh, yeah, I did not get spiritually focused. I woke up late. We had to clean the house before leaving. It was my dad's house. Get packed up. Get everything in the back of the truck. We were late getting on the road. Things just built and built and built, and I did not prepare my mind to handle the enticements that were coming. I was not praying, and I definitely was not praising God through all of this. So by the time the gas incident happened, geez, forget it. The temporal world was overcoming me, and I completely attacked my husband because of it. What if I had recognized to handle my day from a spiritual dimension? What could have been different? What would it have looked like? First of all, I would have started my day differently. To start the day, you always want to say in your mind, Father, I know I'm going to have 10 to 15 enticements that are going to attack me today. Help me to be ready to use them for spiritual growth. When I start my day this way, it is very realistic. I'm putting the shield up to be ready for the fiery darts of enticements that are going to hit me because I've set my expectations correctly. We're putting on the armor by setting ourselves up to handle the realities of life. And how do we hold that shield up throughout the whole day? By prayer and praise. Had I chosen to start this day differently and remember that enticements were going to attack me, I would have been in a totally different emotional state, especially since it was a travel day. I could have remembered that I was definitely going to have 30 to 40 enticements instead of only 10 to 15. And I know this because I've had days that were much more stressful than that day, and I have been able to stay spiritually focused through the enticements 
because I made different choices when those enticements showed up. Remember, the purpose of enticements is always to force me to choose. Will I focus temporally or will I focus spiritually? Had I chosen to put my armor on before the day began, and had I chosen at any time of the day to just start putting my armor on to change my emotional state, then the outcome of trying to get gas at Costco would have turned out completely different. So what's the first thing I would have done when I saw the huge gas lines that I had to get in? I would have prayed. I would have said, okay, Father, I am grateful for this opportunity to take time to spiritually focus. The most important thing in this moment is to see if I will be steadfast in Christ. And moments like this, like long gas lines when we're already late, they're opportunities for me to see if I will be able to remain spiritually focused, if my love for the for my Savior is greater than the emotions that are created because of the situation. Then after getting in line, when I noticed the other line was moving faster, the Spirit could have whispered to me to stay in the line I was in because the gas tank was on the right side as the pump. <laughs> I would have been in an emotional state to listen to those little promptings. The whole situation could have been avoided. And while I was waiting in the original gas line, what could I have been doing? Praying and praising. Maybe telling my kids what a great job they did on the house that morning. Asking the Lord to help me to be grateful for this line that I get to pray in while I wait to put gas in my car. You know, I could have I could have been able to rehearse in my mind what Brent had already done to get everything packed into the back of the truck. And and then when Brent came back out of the store, he would have found a much different environment instead of a fuming wife. <laughs> well, well, and trust me, there have been plenty of times when Andrea came out of a store to find me fuming in the car because I had given into my enticements. And honestly, I remember I remember this day really well and how much we laughed about it once we got a couple hours down the road and decided that this would be an absolutely perfect example to share in this lesson. Yeah. It was like, oh, we could use that for the enticement lesson. <laughs> we have to see these temporal experiences as our spiritual gym. Each one of them is giving us a chance to grow that choice muscle and overcome the world. We had a friend share an experience with some enticements that happened to her the other day. She said this, quote, It was a hard day because I woke up to my son coming to me telling me that he was sick. Then he got a panicked look on his face and proceeded to throw up all over me and my bed. I jumped up to clean up the mess. In the middle of cleaning up my bed, my daughter in diapers came running in with diarrhea all over the place. It was going to be one of those days with sick kids and constant messes. When I had to leave to take my oldest to school, I situated my little ones to watch a cartoon and told them I'd be back in five minutes. When I came back, it was just a horrible mess everywhere. I started to get very, very overwhelmed and stressed out. I didn't want to have to deal with this. But then a tender mercy came, and the Spirit reminded me of learning about enticements. I decided I needed to change my focus. I decided to start cleaning up the mess for my Savior, and it shifted everything for me. I scrubbed the carpet and blankets and cleaned up everything, the whole time doing it for Christ. I was able to help my sick children 
from a space of love and not irritation because of remembering how to use my enticements for spiritual growth, close quote. After she recounted this story to us, we asked her how she had made that transition after she got home and found the mess. And she told us when she, when she got home, she went into a room and said a quick prayer. And that is when she had that tender mercy from the Spirit come and remind her about the enticements and how Heavenly Father would have her handle this. She pictured Jesus in her mind being with her as she cleaned everything up and felt his love helping her and sustaining her. Remember what Nephi did on the ship when he was tied to that mast for four days. It could have been very easy for him to focus temporally. But why did he praise God all day long? So that he could stay focused on the spiritual dimension. Something to realize is that Nephi had a lot of training during that time that they spent in the wilderness. And so much of, the, of that time would have been enticements for his spiritual growth. He would have had to put the tent up and take it down. He would have had to go hunting for food and, and have the adversity of his bow breaking and facing starvation for the whole group. He would have had to put up with his siblings fighting. He would have had to help his wife get comfortable while she was pregnant and nurse her sore feet and his sore feet. Yeah. He could have chosen at any point to do a temporal focus with these things. A temporal focus is easy. That's the paradigm that Laman and Lemuel used. I can almost categorically guarantee that if Nephi had not used all these enticements around him in the wilderness to practice focusing spiritually, that when that adversity on the ship came, he would not have had the spiritual muscles to praise God all day long through that four-day experience. In fact, if he had chosen that temporal focus in the wilderness, he most likely would have been partying right along with That's his brothers. Right. And, and we never would have had the Book of Mormon to, to begin with. <laughs> exactly. Like we talked about in our very first lesson, there is a battle waging that, had, that started in the preexistence. And don't kid yourself. There isn't a day go by that you are not attacked in this battle. Some of those bullets that are flying at you are these enticements and the bombs that sometimes occasionally are falling on us are the major adversities that happen in this warfare. So pick up a weapon, soldier. Get in the battle together with Jesus Christ by building those spiritual muscles to be able to overcome this world. The world that we live in with all the opposition it really is a blessing. The reason why is because it's designed to help us overcome the appetites of the flesh and master our physical bodies. What a huge thing to learn in this life. And everything that causes us not to master our physical bodies are enticements. Like, easy example, when your alarm goes off early in the morning to do scripture study and prayer and then head to the gym. Pushing snooze, that is the huge enticement in that moment. <laughs> And it's, it's enticing to just stay in bed and keep sleeping and not go outside in the cold <laughs> or even not even wanting to work out or any of those things. But what do I gain when I use that enticement for spiritual growth, when I see it for what it is and I praise the Lord and I get out of bed? I gain mastering my physical body together with Jesus Christ. There are lots of enticements that surround mastering the physical body. Enticements with food, with being lazy, watching TV too much, scrolling Facebook instead of reading scriptures, really all the instant gratification things that are around in our world. 
And when we use the enticements around us for spiritual growth, every time the heavens rejoice. Elder Ballard, he talked about this battle between our spirits and our physical bodies to overcome the appetites of the flesh in a talk he gave called Giving Our Spirits Control Over Our Bodies. He starts off by quoting his grandfather, Melvin J. Ballard, saying this. His talk focused on the ongoing battle between our physical body and our eternal spirits. He said, the greatest conflict that any man or woman will ever have will be the battle that is had with self, explaining that Satan, the enemy of our souls, attacks us through the lusts, the appetites, the ambitions of the flesh. So the primary battle is between our divine and spiritual nature and the carnal, natural man. Close quote. Brothers and sisters, remember, we can receive spiritual help through the influence of the Holy Ghost that can teach you all things. Help can also come through the power and blessings of the priesthood. Now I ask all of us for a moment, how is this battle going with each one of you? President David O. McKay said, Man's earthly existence is but a test as to whether he will concentrate his efforts, his mind, his soul upon the things which contribute to the comfort and gratification of his physical nature, or whether he will make as his life's purpose the acquisition of spiritual qualities. Did President McKay nail our day or what? With all the instant gratification constantly surrounding us, it seems even more poignant today than when he said it. Elder Melvin J. Ballard wrote about the importance of using our time in the physical body wisely because it is a huge blessing to have these daily reminders to focus spiritually. He said this, quote, I grant you that the righteous dead will be at peace, but I tell you that when we go out of this life, leave this body, we will to desire to do many things that we cannot do at all without the body. We will be seriously handicapped and we will long for the body. We will pray for the early reunion with our bodies. We will know then what advantage it is to have a body. Then every man and woman who is putting off until the next life the task of correcting and overcoming the weaknesses of the flesh are sentencing themselves to years of bondage. For no man or woman will come forth in the resurrection until he has completed his work, until he has overcome, until he has done as much as he can do. The point I have in mind is that we are sentencing ourselves to long periods of bondage, separating our spirits from our bodies, or we are shortening that period according to the way in which we overcome and master ourselves. A man may receive the priesthood and all of its privileges and blessings, but until he learns to overcome the flesh, his temper, his tongue, his disposition to indulge in the things God has forbidden, he cannot come into the celestial kingdom of God. He must overcome either in this life or in the life to come. It is my judgment that a man or woman can do more to conform to the laws of God in one year in this life than he could in ten years when they are dead. Close quote. Just like Elder Ballard said, the enticements around me are for my spiritual growth, including everything that has to do with my body. That is what this life is for. I can do much more here than I can do there after I die. So we don't want to postpone using these enticements for what they are designed for. Yeah, exactly. Use them while we've got our bodies together. 
with our with our spirit. <laughs> Another big enticement that actually can also turn into a big adversity is anxiety and depression. Really, any struggle with mental illness. Some people feel these uh, mental illness issues on varying levels. If you are suffering or if you ever have suffered from mental health problems, you know personally what it can include. The question we want to ask ourselves is this. Can you experience anxiety or depression and still be spiritually focused? George Q. Cannon said something very beautiful about this exact thing. Open quote. It is true that some have greater power of resistance than others, but everyone has the power to close his heart against doubt, against darkness, against unbelief, against depression, against anger, against hatred, against jealousy, against malice, against envy. God has given this power by calling upon him for that which we lack. If it were not so, how could we be condemned for giving way to wrong influences? Close quote. Now, we know that mental health challenges, that they can be a very real physical problem and imbalances inside of somebody's physical body and mind. And what Elder Cannon is saying here is that he's telling us that everyone has been given the power to rise above. That's actually a very, very hopeful statement. If you have the stewardship calling it a stewardship like we talked about in the last lesson, of mental health struggles, you can view that stewardship with your spiritual eyes and not from a victim standpoint. I say this from a very personal place because of having to go through these things myself. With mental health struggles, it's one of Satan's biggest attacks within them is that he wants you to stay in a victim state about it instead of being an agent unto yourself. He wants you to use any mental health difficulty to, to be a victim to darkness. And if you want to expand the effects of depression, being temporally focused will make it worse every time, I promise. But guess what? We can reduce the effects of depression and anxiety by using these enticements to maintain a spiritual focus. Personally, like I said, I can testify to this. I have had many times in my life when anxiety has come out to attack me with great force, so much that it's overwhelming. I had postpartum psychosis that nearly took me out with all four of my babies. My mother suffered from very severe anxiety, and my siblings, my sisters and brother, have all suffered from differing effects of anxiety and depression. But every single one of us can testify of the power of Jesus when we have used the enticements of mental health struggles to focus on the spiritual dimension and the power of the atonement of Jesus Christ has been released on our behalf when we do so. Remember, our weaknesses like these are also enticements. Just like Ether tells us, if men come unto me, I will show unto them their weakness, maybe weakness of anxiety and depression. I give unto men weakness that they may be humble, and my grace is sufficient for all men that humble themselves before me. For if they humble themselves before me and have faith in me, then I will make weak things like anxiety and depression become strong unto them. 
When we spiritually focus through our weaknesses, we are not acting like a victim. We are using these enticements for what they are designed for, to help us humble ourselves and come unto God. The Savior's grace is sufficient, and spiritually focusing through the enticements of mental health struggles releases the power of the atonement on your behalf, and it reduces the effects and the severity. I can personally witness to this. And remember, here's my little plug, (laughs) that receiving therapy and making choices about different types of medication and or natural solutions, they are a part of your personal stewardship assignment between you and the Lord and are nothing to be ashamed of. Elder Holland said it perfectly this way. He said this, Though we may feel we are like a broken vessel, as the psalmist says, we must remember that vessel is in the hands of the divine potter. Broken minds can be healed just the way broken bones and broken hearts are healed. While God is at work making those repairs, the rest of us can help by being merciful, non-judgmental, and kind. We love Elder Holland so much. So much. I saw a meme (laughs) a few years ago that had a picture of him speaking in conference. On the top of the picture, it said, I don't always give the best talks in conference, (laughs) dot, dot, dot. And then on the bottom, it said, yes, I do. Oh, yes, I do. Yeah, that meme went around quite a bit, didn't it? (laughs) Enticements are God's curriculum for spiritual growth. We are all here together in this one-room schoolhouse we call Earth. His perfect curriculum has been effective on millions of other earths before ours. And we are told that we rejoiced in the preexistence about the privilege of coming here to have this temporal experience. Elder Maxwell gave his eloquent insight into this when he said, In fact, adequacy in the first estate may merely have ensured a stern second estate with more duties and no immunities. Additional tutoring and suffering appear to be the pattern for the Lord's most apt pupils. Our existence, therefore, is a continuum matched by God's stretching curriculum. We are here to overcome this world, not succumb to it. We do this by overcoming what King Benjamin called the natural man. And remember what Lehi told us, that we must be enticed by one or the other. So if this world is set up to try us through temporal enticements, How do we allow ourselves to yield to the enticements of the Holy Spirit and put off the natural man? King Benjamin gives us the answer. We need to become a saint, which you have already done if you have been baptized, and we need to become as a little child. The enticements and adversities of this life are all part of this mortal test. Don't argue with them. King Benjamin didn't tell you to become a little spoiled child and throw a tantrum because you don't like how things are going. He said to submit to all things, meaning the enticements that God has given us. Instead of complaining about the challenges we face in this life, why not ask yourself, what can I learn from this? Or how can this help me become more like Christ? Again, Elder Maxwell provides flawless understanding of this concept. He says, Why do we resist and resent life's developmental and obedience tests? By declaring, I will walk in my own way and do that which is right in my own eyes, we reject the curriculum of the mortal school in which we are irrevocably enrolled. So don't argue with the way this earth is set up. Submit to a perfect father that is trying to help you grow. 
A friend of ours, Jared, shared this story with us of a day that he got hooked by his enticements. He said, I woke up early after a very short night. My daughter had woken up in the middle of the night with a bad dream and her unwelcomed presence in our bed and her knees in my back for the rest of the night made sleep almost impossible. When my alarm went off, I thought about my challenging day ahead and I immediately blamed my daughter for the horrible night's rest and my wife for not keeping her on the other side of the bed. I rushed out the door late and ran into every red light I possibly could on my way to work. I was cut off in traffic twice and pulled into the parking lot a few minutes late and fuming. My boss welcomed me to the office by yelling at me for not for being late again and reminding me of the meeting that started at one o'clock, like I had forgotten our quarterly report to the managing partners. My PowerPoint presentation for the meeting had been done for days, but when I tried to pull it up in the conference room, our Zoom room wasn't working. I alerted my boss Zoom wasn't working, and after blaming me for breaking it, he told me I'd better figure it out before the meeting started. Over an hour and a half of phone calls to different levels of tech support, two of which barely spoke English, I finally got it working a few minutes before the meeting. No lunch for me. After the meeting, my best client called to let me know he was looking for alternatives after our distributor was late again with his most recent order. I finished my day fighting with our distribution company, not feeling like I had made any headway in ensuring the delays wouldn't happen again. On my way home, I found myself dreading getting there. I had no energy to give to my kids and my wife. I also knew that there was no way I was going to Young Men's that night. I decided to stop at the driving range instead of going home because I knew my golf clubs wouldn't ask anything of me or yell at me. Haven't we all had days like this when we look back on it and we realize that we didn't start the day right. We got hooked by the constant mounting enticements throughout the day. We talked about it with the Costco example and when they just keep piling up all day long. Did it sound like Jared was enjoying the day? It didn't sound like it to me. And when these days have happened to me, I don't feel much like rejoicing either. <laughs> but the second half of Jared's story is that he learned the power of using daily enticements for spiritual growth. And he told us about another day that he had that presented really similar enticements and how he handled it. He goes on to say, about a month later, I had another day at work that I had a major presentation to give. I had stayed up very late the night before to put the finishing touches on the presentation. But the whole time I was thanking the Lord for the opportunity to do this work for him. The following morning, I started my day in prayer to him and asked for his help with my work that day to put on the armor and expect that I was going to be hit by many enticements throughout my day. And I asked for God's help that I might use those for my progress. Traffic again was a cause for me to arrive late at the office and I had to hear about it from my boss again. And instead of letting that put me into darkness in my thoughts, I remembered my prayer that morning and I said to myself, Ah, Father, Satan tried to hook me, but I didn't give in. As I got ready to set up my presentation, I couldn't get, I couldn't get it to project on the conference room TV. Instead of losing my patience, I took a deep breath, recognized the enticement, and continued to work on until I found a solution. Throughout the rest of my day, as other enticements kept coming at me, Heavenly Father helped me to continue to recognize them and stay in a positive mindset instead of losing my cool. The biggest miracle for me was when I was driving home, I realized I was genuinely excited to see my wife and kids at the end of my day, which hadn't happened for me in a long time. Even though the day wasn't perfect, 
the Lord gave me the ability to handle it perfectly. We loved to get this story when we heard about it from Jared, not just because of the success that he had at the end, but that he had recognized that the enticements on each day were about the same. But the second time he finished his day rejoicing, wanting to see his family instead of shutting everyone in his life out. He really was enjoying the day, even though it wasn't a, quote, perfect day. And there are enticements like this everywhere. Really, some of the best ones come from within the four walls of our own homes, where we spend a very large portion of our time and our energy. Listen to this story from our friend Amy. She told this to us after learning about using enticements for spiritual growth. As a mother of three young children, under five years old, I was feeling very frazzled every day. Parenting muscles were harder to develop than I had ever realized, and all the energy it takes to take care of a family, the house, my children, their needs, and everything else that comes with being a mother of little children. After learning about the purpose of enticements, I decided to put it to the test and to do everything throughout my day for Heavenly Father and see if He would help me because I had been in such a rough place emotionally. The first day with this goal in mind, I woke up to kids crying. The night before, I had decided that my first prayer of the day would be, Heavenly Father, these children are yours. Help me to see them like you do. I was able to handle the crying situation calmly at the very beginning of the day. And as a result, my children's energy also calmed down. I then made breakfast for Heavenly Father, and as I made the pancakes, I said, Okay, Father, I sure hope you like pancakes because these are for you. (laughs) And as my children came hustling to the table, I pictured them all in white and got immediately so excited about being their mother for eternity. Everyone ate. We definitely had spilled milk and sticky syrup accidents, but I said again in my mind, Heavenly Father, you knew these enticements would happen. I will clean up this milk for you. As I kept these thoughts in my mind and heart, everything around me became so much easier and so much more beautiful. I was able to smile more and not react so much with little frustrating things that kept up throughout the day. At one point, I was in the living room with a couple of my kids, and then my daughter left the room. After about three seconds, I heard the scream, Mom! I jumped up, worried someone had gotten hurt. But as I went to the next room, I could see what had happened. My son had gotten a hold of some permanent markers and had some fun on the wall and had made quite a big mess. If this had been any other day, I would have lost it on him. I had gotten into a really bad habit of shaming my children when they didn't do things right. I would have pointed to the wall, told him I couldn't believe he did that, put him in his room for 20 minutes and then come stomping back with cleaner in my hands. He probably would have been scarred for life the way I would have normally handled it. But because of the decision I made to use enticements of the day to turn to the Lord, I had reserve energy, and that was a miracle. I didn't even feel frustrated about it. I experienced a miracle inside of me. I saw the mess. I looked at my son, who was covering his eyes with his hands, by the way, and I said calmly, okay, son, let's get this cleaned up. As we scrubbed the wall, I kept talking to Heavenly Father about cleaning this up because it was his wall 
and I wanted our home to be nice for him. My son helped me, and we were able to take care of everything and go throughout the day without more contention. I'm so grateful for using enticements for spiritual growth. The Lord's way really is always the best way. Close quote. Like we said, kids provide great enticements. <laughs> <laughs> Our kids have done plenty of things like that yeah. over the years. Yeah. But that doesn't it stop just because you your kids leave home and you become a grandparent. In fact, Brent and I wait, have— Wait, wait. Say that again. It doesn't, it doesn't stop? <laughs> it doesn't stop? Wait. <laughs> wait. How do I get off this train then? <laughs> we have observed over the years that as we learn to overcome one enticement— so much that it doesn't trigger us anymore, then we discover new enticements that have taken their place that we get to keep working on. (laughs) Let me tell you really quickly one last story about my friend Judy. She's in the grandmother phase of her life. One of her children lives far away from home. She doesn't get to see those grandchildren very much, and she had been praying for the ability to spend more time with them. She got that chance when her son asked her to watch their kids for a week. As a side note to this story, you need to know that her son and daughter-in-law have been inactive in the church for quite some time and are not raising their kids in the light of the gospel. She told us this, My grandchildren got to my house and I was so excited to have them there. But after just a little while, I was starting to dread that God had answered my prayers for sending them to spend time. They were swearing quite a bit and had behaviors that were difficult to be around. For the first couple of days, I got hooked by every curse word out of their mouths and every roll of their eyes when I asked them to stop swearing. One day, I woke up with the realization that these were enticements for me and that these enticements, they were getting through and they were causing me to reject my grandchildren emotionally. And I really did not want that to happen. I asked the Lord to help me to use these enticements for spiritual growth and to see my grandchildren how he sees them. Once I switched my focus so that every time they said a curse word, I prayed and I thanked the Lord for bringing them to my home so that I could share some of the light of the gospel and my love with them. Then things started to change. They felt the change in my energy toward them, and we were really able to enjoy the rest of the week together. Close quote. Enticements come in all shapes and sizes. Sometimes they are at the gas pump at Costco. Sometimes they are scribbled on the walls of our home in permanent marker. And sometimes they come out of the mouths of our grandchildren. However they come, remember that Elder Maxwell and King Benjamin said to not argue with the curriculum that the Lord has set up. Submit to our perfect Father and how much He wants to help us grow. Use those enticements for spiritual growth and just see what can happen in your life. Yeah, put it to the test, truly. Okay, so it's time for planting the seed from this lesson. The seed that we're inviting you to plant is enticements are part of God's curriculum and I use them for spiritual growth. So first, we're going to awake and arouse our faculties to see as Christ sees. As usual, there is a list of scriptures and conference talks to study about enticements, specifically during your study time throughout the next couple of days. And second, exercise a particle of faith to think as Christ thinks. You will, of course, pray about your own personal enticements and triggers. But specifically, we want to invite you to make a list of your top five enticements. For example, the top enticement in my day is when my children fight with each other. 
when they fight, oh man, it can get to me. But when I use it as a chance to focus spiritually, then different things happen. I I, I don't get so involved. Um, I don't find myself participating as much in their fighting. And miraculously, it's not as much fun for them when I don't participate and get in the middle of it. <laughs> and they'll stop or they figure out how to resolve it themselves when I'm able to maintain a spiritual focus through it. And the spirit guides me and helps me instead of me reacting out of frustration over their behavior. After making this list of your top five enticements, then we also want you to write down the response that you want to give when those enticements happen. For example, when I really identified that my children's fighting was the number one hook for me. You I, immediately thought, obviously, one day my kids are going to stop fighting, right? <laughs> I know. Oh, my gosh. Most of the time, that's when it hooks me is when I wake up with the expectation that there will be no fighting that day. Uh, yeah, no, that doesn't happen. <laughs> but when when I really realized this, I wrote down in my journal the way that I wanted to respond on the inside in my inner world when they fought. I wrote down that I wanted to pray. I wanted to talk to the Lord about their fighting so that I could improve my space between stimulus and response. And then while they were fighting, I wanted to be able to stay in the emotional space of seeing my children dressed in white and receiving their covenants with God. I am not perfect at this yet, but I am working on it and I am progressing. It is making a difference in our home. And when I respond this way and the enticement of the fighting comes, it really does completely change the outcome of the situation. Well, this is like when when you were in young men's or young women's growing up and the leader would tell you, you have to decide how you are going to respond before the temptation comes. You have to decide that you are going to say no before someone offers you a cigarette or alcohol. That's the exact same principle. Make a plan about your particular triggers before they hit you. Ask the Lord to inspire you as you're writing down what your response needs to be. This is a creation process. You you want to be co-creating with, with the Lord what your responses need to be to these particular enticements so that when they happen, you're already expecting how you're going to handle it. And remember that we've included some praise and prayer phrases in our sample prayer on the website for you to use as well. The third step in Alma's process of change is to desire to believe and let that desire work in you so that we can feel as Christ feels. As you pray throughout your day to receive a witness for yourself that these enticements are God's curriculum for you in this world, when you learn to respond to them with a spiritual focus, you are using that spiritual gym class. Once again, pay attention to those swelling motions that come and the enlarging of your soul and how your mind is enlightened in so many beautiful ways. And use the eye of faith. See the fruits of, of this principle. Andrea just talked about this. Use that eye to create what your response is going to be when the enticements come. And when you see those fruits of, of responding in a good way, in a positive way, and staying spiritually focused, and feeling the peace and love, no matter what is happening around you in this world, you are going to see so much progress towards becoming like Christ. And don't forget that you can also use the guided meditation that we've provided on the website as well. Fourth, give place for a portion of my word by doing all these things out of the love we feel for our Heavenly Father and our Savior. 
Search, ponder, and pray over the next few days because of your love for them. And we make time for what's most important to us. Searching, pondering, and praying, that equals you making that time for the Lord. Don't cast these truths out by your unbelief. As before, Satan is going to attack you. (laughs) Set your expectations straight. The enticements are going to continually come, and they are never going to go away. They're just going to keep changing form. Satan will constantly be trying to hook you when you handle them either positively or negatively. Remember the concept of separating your worth from your performance. And as and practice that, as, as you practice using enticements for spiritual growth, that you're going, you're going to fail as you're practicing this. Those failures, uh, we're, we're all human. They come. And we don't always use enticements the right way. But remember, if you separate your worth from your performance as those failures come, you are still going to be able to transcend the temporal world within that. And you're still going to know that you're on track for exaltation. That's right. That's right. Yep. We love you so much, friends. Please give yourself a few days to apply what we've talked about, especially because the next lesson, this is a big one, Thought Habit 6, how to use adversities for our spiritual growth, our supersized enticements. Until then, always remember that the worth of your soul is great in the sight of God. The Worth of Souls podcast is not an official publication of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. If you have any questions about the doctrines discussed here, please visit the church's official website for clarification.